2: Hit me with your rhythm stick, it's episode number 30 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man The world's number one Eric Roberts related podcast, I'm Doug Tilly, And with me as always is the just too sweet Mr. Liam O'Donnell How you doing today Liam? I'm pretty great, how are you? I'm doing so well, Liam. And actually, uh, just to throw back the curtains a little bit, we were originally supposed to record this episode a few days ago, but now we're recording it on a Sunday evening with the episode coming up the next day. So this is like the the smallest possible amount of time be- between recording and release to the public, and that's just really exciting
0: for me. Does this make you want to just yell into the microphone, we'll do it live? Because that's how well, do
2: we, we're. It's almost like doing it live, yeah. but without the exact amount of pressure of doing it live. I am going to cut out every time you say something stupid, Liam. So uh, don't let the pressure get to you. Uh, okay, Liam. Have you watched any Eric Roberts uh, related
0: material that not connected with the show lately? Actually, no. And I feel I, every week you ask me this, and I'm so embarrassed that I say no. But I've been, you know, it's been a busy uh, week. I started a new job. I went to a show on Friday. Now, what's this job? What's the address? What's the address? <laughs> what's the phone number in
2: case any of our listeners want to? Uh,
0: I know. Some- no, I'm kind of. I'm kind of like. Oh, maybe I shouldn't. I work at a school. I've I, I just got hired. Excuse me. I just got hired at a institution of higher learning. That perhaps. Okay. So
2: you're a, So you come in when people are done for the day, and you pick up the stuff off um, the floor. Oh, no, I
0: see. I see. Huh? Mm-hmm. Judging? That you're you're judging me now.
2: I am not judging. I'm just suggesting that that is what your job is. No, it's not.
0: It's a. Okay. It's. I'm a. It's a long story. The point gym is, gym teacher. No, no. Oh. So I got. I have this new job, and it's it's a real thing that takes. Sorry, uh,
2: I, I I started to interrupt you, Liam. What are the ages of the children that you are around? <laughs> it's out of college. Uh, hey, <laughs> I hate you so much. Well, Okay, just give it You don't have to tell us what the college's name is But we know that it's somewhere in Pennsylvania, obviously And if you listen to all the episodes with Liam on it You can probably piece together where he is And what college
0: it is Yeah, I don't know why I'm pretending All they have to do is find my Instagram And I've already tagged myself there multiple times So I'm at at Lafayette College And I'm the new uh, coordinator of intercultural development So what cultures are these then? (laughs) Uh, It's basically a department that um, Helps facilitate Various groups on campus that are, oh, are... God, Liam, no. What? Boring. I know. That's why I wasn't going to get into it. What, okay, what you know what? Let's, 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 let's talk about something more interesting. I went and saw John Carpenter last night, and it was awesome. You know,
2: I was told by you, Liam, that you were not going to get to see uh, John Carpenter because you had certain responsibilities that were going to keep you from being able to see him. So it,
0: it wasn't so much... Make this quick. <laughs> I decided that John Carpenter is going to be dead soon, so he's more important than going to other movies. Stop smoking cigarettes, you know. He did stop smoking cigarettes? He did. I didn't know that. Well, he was very... Well, at least while he was playing, he was very lively. He has a little dance, kind of like a little jig he does. It's really cool. Well, anyway, shut up. (laughs) A 30th episode of a
2: podcast is a true milestone. It's an opportunity to reminisce about days gone by... And to look forward to what is to come, uh, but we're not ones here to rest on our laurels here at Eric Roberts is the fucking man. So to celebrate, we've brought, on, we've brought on writer, Twitter personality, and podcast ringer, Andrea. Andrea, how are you doing today?
1: Hi! What a great description of me.
2: You're a ringer. I've heard you on other podcasts, I... and they bring you in when the it's at it's a kind of at a lull. They're like, we need to kick this shit into high gear. Damn!
1: I am impressed. Mm. You make me sound really impressive. Thank you.
2: I read. I read. What I meant to say is, I listened to your conversation about the Monster Squad. Oh
1: hell yeah! Talk Film Society, yeah.
2: Talk Film Society, which also features some other former Eric Roberts as the fucking man guest, and uh, and it was great. It was terrific. So when I heard that, I was like, I know who has to be on our show. You. Thank you
1: so much. I'm so honored to be here. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. It's nice that everybody thinks so.
2: Well, you have been brought on because of your expertise in Eric Roberts' history. So huh? So let, let's t- go through your Eric Roberts experience from birth. When was the first time you were aware that Eric Roberts was a human being that existed?
1: I remember my dad always mm. really, really liked Eric Roberts. He probably still does. He's, my, my dad is still with us. I shouldn't talk to him in the oh, past good. tense. Um, and he was always like, Eric Roberts is such a great actor. Eric Roberts is so cool. Let's always watch Eric Roberts movies. So I did. And then I was like, (laughs) oh, "Oh, he's got a sister? Who? What? So I've had a love and abiding um, respect for Mr. Roberts from way back.
2: Mr. Roberts, that is what I refer to him Mm -hmm. as as well. Now, what's your favorite, unless it's one of the movies that we're going to talk about today, what's your favorite Eric Roberts movie? (sighs) I know it's difficult it is
1: a difficult question
2: no one ever expects this question on a podcast about I'm, probably
1: gonna say, <laughs> I'm probably going say I'm probably going to say Pope of Greenwich Village although I haven't seen it in a while Pope of
2: Greenwich Village is a great movie don't you agree Liam I do it's one of my favorites that one star 80
1: star 80 is <laughs> damn good
2: King of the gypsies mm-hmm.
1: we were talking about the star Angels. 80 actually on the last podcast that I did and someone was
2: it's begging interesting to- that you mentioned that and sorry to interrupt no, no. you there on because uh, the person that you were recording with, they messaged me out of the blue today uh-huh. to, uh, to ask me about the fact that I have an Eric Roberts-related podcast, as if I'm keeping it a secret. <laughs> <laughs> and that person wanted to talk about Star 80, and I said, sorry, bud. You lost, you, you lost your chance uh, 29 episodes ago. <laughs>
1: Well, you could do like an anniversary version at some point. Or th- this is our anniversary episode right now, number thirty. Another anniversary, a further uh-huh. anniversary. Although thirty, as everyone knows, is the golden anniversary.
2: It it is. Is this the gold one? This oh, is shit. The,
1: this is perhaps platinum. I'm not gonna sell a short.
2: Liam, what have you got me for our golden anniversary? I was about to ask you. Why why <laughs> am
0: I getting you shit?
2: Yeah, I should be things getting strings. Still- Because you, Liam, were not the original
0: co-host, which means, of course, that you have not been here for 30 episodes, but I have. Okay, I see what you're saying now. Um, I didn't get you anything gold or platinum, so I apologize for that. Um, I did, though, get you this. So that's pretty good. I would say that's like almost platinum, maybe not gold.
1: Depending on the number of records sold, I mean...
2: Liam um, felt the need before we started recording today to download an a application for his telephone uh, <laughs> that would allow him to honk a horn at me uh,
0: whenever he saw fit. To be fair, th- this was partly inspired by the fact that you just didn't know what I was talking about. Like, you had no concept that this was, like, a cultural meme. I assume because of some weird Canadian, like, uh, uh, ban they have on interesting things.
2: Well, the thing is, I only listen to hardcore punk music, so I don't don't get exposed to a lot of this cultural stuff that you look. I, I'm a caveman. I don't know your ways. Let's talk about the latest Eric Roberts news on the Roberts Report. The Roberts Report for episode number 30. So much exciting, interesting, intriguing Eric Roberts news. But we'll start with a recent Eric Roberts tweet. That said, this was posted on July 1st. L.A. weather is a little like L.A. Looks beautiful, but doesn't necessarily feel that great once you're in it. Andrea, have you ever been to L.A.? I
1: have never been to Los Angeles, California.
2: Andrea, without revealing too much, where are you in the world right now?
1: I am in the United States. I'm in New England. I'm in Massachusetts. New England? I am.
2: Really? Really? Now, Liam knows that I love to do a little uh, Boston accenting oh, here. Okay. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. Because if you got to park the car, see? So That's clearly, a good.
1: Doug, I'm going to make an assumption about you, have never fuck. been to Boston.
2: Actually. No. Wicked pissa, I have been to uh, the City of Lakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my what the fuck? I saw the socks play. And day was uh good, yeah. No, actually, I have been to Boston uh back in two thousand two, um, and unless things have changed since then, everyone talked like a fucking idiot. Yes,
1: that's <laughs> true. <laughs> educated and uneducated alike.
0: Does every is everyone
1: that accent?
0: Is everyone still obsessed with Dunkin' Donuts? Is that still a thing? Oh
1: Jesus Christ!
0: Fucking Dunkin' Donuts is so Dunk, good. No, no, no! You call it Dunkies, if you know. Dunkies,
1: yeah. Donkeys.
0: Hey, you going um, down the donkeys, eh?
1: It's embarrassing, but true.
2: John? I know. (laughs) Eric Roberts is currently working on a movie called Deported the Movie. And this is interesting because a picture uh, was tweeted out by both Andy Dick and Eric Roberts of them working together on this movie. It's called Deported the Movie. Look for it in your local cinema anytime soon. Andy Dick and Eric Roberts together again. How exciting. But if you really want to get your Eric Roberts fix, just recently... MainSpring Pictures posted on their Twitter feed that Eric Roberts has joined the voiceover cast of a film called Corsi, Prince of Models in the role of Norman Rockwell. Eric Roberts will be doing a voiceover of Norman Rockwell in this animated movie, I guess? I started doing some research on it, and apparently um, there was a Kickstarter for this documentary, I guess an animated documentary, something like that, of Corsi, Prince of Models back in 2012, and I guess it's uh, currently in the process of being made. So keep your uh, ears out for Corsi, Prince of Models, featuring Eric Roberts, just posted on Instagram, on Eric Roberts' Instagram, which I just realized was a thing, which is kind of strange since I have an Eric Roberts-related podcast. If you go to Eric Roberts Actor on Instagram, you will see that Eric Roberts has gotten a brand new kitten, everybody. Yeah, yeah it's exciting. <laughs> it's from the RC Animal Center. A new addition to the family, says Eric Roberts. So uh, that's great if you like Cats. Liam, what is your thoughts on Cats? Oh, I love Cats. Not the musical Cats.
0: No, I don't, lo- I don't love the musical Cats, but actually... What's your favorite character in the musical
2: Cats? Is it Mr. Mistopheles?
0: I'm going to go ahead and say I don't know one. Rum Tum Tigger? <laughs> Unaware of a single character in the musical Cats.
2: Okay. What's your favorite Angela Weber musical that's not Jesus Christ Superstar?
0: Can you name some others? <laughs> Starlight Express? Nope, don't know it. Phantom of the Opera, of course. I like Phantom of the Opera. It's cool. I, I liked it when I was a kid because I just like masks and scary things. Andre, what is your favorite musical?
2: Uh, Newsies, maybe? Newsies! Is it because of a young Christian Bale? You know,
1: I think I originally watched it because of a young David Moscow. But now, Christian Bale singing about Santa Fe? Hell yeah.
2: You know what else? If you also like to see Christian Bale dance around like a moron... You could watch *Swing Kids*, which has John Travolta and Christian Bale in it. I ha-
1: John Travolta is not in that.
2: I'm pretty sure John Travolta is in that. I
1: have a copy right here.
2: Oh, am I wrong? I can't be wrong about that. Wait, Frank let me look Whaley, it up
1: Frank Whaley, Robert Sean yeah. Leonard. Yeah, yeah. I don't think yeah, John Travolta's in that.
2: I have to. I'm not I'll gonna, cut it out. Of I
1: don't mean to backchat my host, but
2: why would I make that up? That it sounds crazy that I would make that. that up. That was a great dream that you had. What? What movie am I thinking of that has John Travolta? *Saturday Night Fever*. That might be it. You know what? I was thinking of let's, uh, Look Who's Talking.
0: You were not thinking it's of the Look dancing who's baby. Fucking Talking.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think I was thinking of Look Who's Talking. I wonder what movie I was thinking of. Anyway, not to belabor the point, <laughs> recently on RapidCityJournal.com, there was an article that says, or asks, who are the busiest actors in Hollywood... Uh, I uh, I read through this entire article, which is really just a uh, one of those clickbaity things where you go through a list of ten different actors that are particularly busy. But it is notable because the number one listed actor. Hey, I'll tell you in a second. Number five, Bobby De Niro. Number four, James Franco. Number three, Michael Madsen. Number two, Danny Trejo. Number one, Liam. Who is it? Eric. Roberts. Nope, it's Eric Roberts. That's what I was saying. Oh my gosh. I I will say that I don't understand the uh how they got to these answers i mean certainly i agree with the number one pick but uh robert de Niro at number five hey robert de Niro, he works a lot he makes a lot of shitty movies but i don't know if he's making like 50 movies a year uh like i don't know eric roberts is or even james franco who does work a lot but compared to someone like michael Madsen. hey where's tom sizemore on that list that's where i want to know probably number six probably number six actually maybe he was now that i think about it Andre, what's your least favorite movie musical?
1: I am so unfamiliar with movie musicals. Um, my friend made me watch Meet Me in St. Louis once. That was a little bit tough to get through.
2: Have you ever seen a, uh, a stage musical?
1: I have. I saw Rent in high school on, on the <laughs> Broadway. Um,
2: have you seen Hamilton yet?
1: No, I have not seen Hamilton. I'm totally missing the Hamilton zeitgeist.
2: Too late now. I know,
1: it's over. I'm Lost
2: gonna... your opportunity. Yep, it's over. Hamilton, last week's news. Andrea, what did you think of Rent on Broadway?
1: It was great. It was actually when um, it was in the 90s. Wilson Cruz was playing Angel,
2: a.k.a. the dude from My So-Called Life. So that was very Was exciting. Anthony, what's his name, still in it? Rap? rap. Anthony, Anthony, Anthony Rap. I guess
1: he was. Anthony Rap was in it, yeah.
2: How about that? He was in Days of Confused, Liam. Oh, he, he was? He was in
1: Babysitting.
2: And Adventures in Babysitting, yeah, Mm -hmm. young, fresh-faced Anthony Rapp. Mm -hmm. Somehow he managed to be in the film version of Rent, despite being like, he must have been pushing 40 at that point. Whatever. Hey. Whatever. I recently attended the What the Film Festival in Toronto, and there was, surprisingly, some Eric Roberts content. Yes, Mm -hmm. not only was I able to chat for the first time with former Eric Roberts as the Fucking Man guests, Justin DeClue, Peter Kaplowski, and Will Sloan, but I also got to see a special, secret Frank D'Angelo movie, that is not Sicilian Vampire, which we covered on a recent episode. No, it was no deposit. I was not expecting an opportunity to see another Frank D'Angelo movie that day, and I certainly wasn't expecting to see Eric Roberts in an ensemble about the mortgage crisis from a few years ago. No, it's a very strange movie, but we uh, I'm not going to go into any detail because we're going to have to cover it on a future episode of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts IMDb page is a movie called Five Grand, directed and written and featuring Orson Osman and Tyler Graham Pavey. It is about an outlaw who kills a marshal and steals his identity. A Pinkerton pursues him across the open country. Another Western-y sounding movie featuring Eric Roberts as Marshall Denton J. Cartwright. Andrea, what's your favorite Western? Um,
1: I like 310 to Yuma, the new one. I like The Good, oh. Bad, and the Ugly. I like mm-hmm. uh, The Hateful Eight. Does that count?
2: Sure, why not? Western. Anything cow- As long as you feel like it's a Western, in my eyes, it's a Western.
1: Okay. Not Cowboys and Aliens.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Liam, I think I may have asked you what your favorite Western is before. I don't think so. Uh, Liam O'Donnell yeah. from Pennsylvania yeah. uh, with your recent job at, uh, what was that, uh, college? Lafayette. Lafayette.
0: Uh, what is your favorite Western? I think it's a tie between The Great Silence and oh, Once Upon a Time in the West. And though, I have to say, Liam, we are
2: Western buddies, I have to say, because <laughs> I love both of those movies very, very much. I think Once Upon a Time in the West might be my very favorite, followed closely behind by The Wild Bunch, and then The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yes, I am a Leone nut. Uh, what
0: is the one that's, uh, the si- is it like the Sinister Six or the something six? The
2: Oh, you're thinking of, uh, um, wait a second, I'll get this. I can just sit here in silence for as long as I want. You can uh, edit this
0: part out, it's fine.
2: It's not Sinister. What the fuck?
0: Uh, Cutthroats 9. Is that what you're Oh, thinking? God, yes. The Cutthroats 9. Ooh. Oh, it's so Ooh. good. Thank you for getting that. I don't know why 6 was stuck in my head, but it really was. I don't know why either because it fucked me up when I was trying to remember <laughs> the name. of Yeah. That. Cutthroats 9. I saw that at an X-Fest. Uh, or maybe it wasn't an X-Fest, but I saw it recently on film, and it was awesome. Well,
2: keep your eye out for Five Grand featuring Eric Roberts as Marshall Denton J. Cartwright coming to your video stores probably in the next, I don't know, year, two years, who knows. Andrea, you've picked two Eric Roberts classics for us to watch on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. We're going to start with 2002's Spun, and we're going to follow it up then with 2015's A Hitman in London, a.k.a. Skin Traffic. I'm going to guess that the second one that you picked it just because of the interesting-looking cast. But why are we watching Spun?
1: Spun. Um, so one of my uh, personal enthusiasms is the actor Mickey Rourke. One might say, ah. I think that Mickey Rourke is a fucking man as well. Um, you know, Mickey Rourke
2: gave us the title of this very podcast.
1: Did he Really?
2: He did, I'm because when he, was, He's, when he was accepting the uh, Independent Spirit Award for his role in The Wrestler, one of the first things he said during his speech is that Eric Roberts is the fucking
1: man. Well, they've been friends for, like, 30-plus years. I think that's uh-huh. awesome. And, um, you know, if you're able to maintain a friendship in Hollywood for that long... Uh, Congratulations to you. So I picked. Also, Andre, because... before
2: you give us more elaboration on that, I also just want to quickly mention by, because we're watching Spun and because we're watching A Hitman in London, and both of them feature Eric Roberts and Mickey Rourke, that means that at the end of this episode, we, we will have watched every film featuring both Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts.
1: That's so exciting. I hope they make mm-hmm. 10 more, though, so I can be on the podcast again. Yeah, hell yeah.
2: So please, why are we watching Spun? Because you love Mickey Rourke?
1: I'm watch- We watch Spun because I love Mickey Rourke, but also because Eric Roberts plays a non-Eric Roberts role. He's not a tough mm. guy. Um, He's not a criminal, really. He plays a totally different role, and even though it is brief, it is very memorable.
2: Yes, it is very memorable. I also feel like it might be slightly controversial, depending on the audience member, but we will certainly get into that once we talk about Spun. And guess what? We're going to talk about that movie right after this... We'll be back in just a minute talking about Spun. A drug dealer introduces one of his customers, a speed freak, to the man who runs the meth Lab. A crazy three-day adventure ensues. That is the terrible (laughs) plot summary from IMDb for 2002's Spun. Yes, it's about drugs. It has a great ensemble cast, but what else does it have? Well, I guess we'll find out. Let's start with you, Andrea. Why... Aside from Mickey Rourke, what is it, and of course Eric Robert's performance, what t- appeals about this movie to you?
1: You know, I remember when the movie came out, uh, 2002, I watched it all the time. I really enjoyed it for some reason. I am not exactly sure why, other than the wonderful cast. Um, I, I was just really enthusiastic about it, so I was curious to see it again, because it's probably been about sure. a decade since I saw mm-hmm. it.
2: Now, uh, on this revisit, what, how did your feelings change? Did it reinforce a few feelings? What What is your opinion now in 2016 of SpongeBob?
1: Performance is still really awesome. Um, I, I was kind of struck by the griminess of the whole thing. And I think it mm. hit me in a way that it didn't before. Or maybe it didn't bother me back then. But this time I was just like, I wanted to get everybody a shower and some Windex and some bleach. <laughs> a fingernail clipper. Um, it was just really grimy and gross, and I, I really enjoyed it, obviously. It's really reminiscent of um, Requiem for a Dream and those kind of drug-addled, drug-fueled, hallucinogenic films. Um,
2: there's a lot of train spotting here. There's a lot of Requiem for a Dream. A lot of a train dream. spotting, yeah. absolutely. It, it, it feels very much a post-Requiem for a Dream world <laughs> that we're watching here, and you're right. The griminess, it really does come through uh, some of the set design here is mm-hmm. is <laughs> It's actually oddly familiar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not to reveal too much of my background. But uh, also, the the actors are really willing to kind of ugly themselves up for this role, especially uh, Mina Suvari's teeth. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely.
2: <laughs> Liam, what did you think of Spun?
0: You know, so I, I watched uh, the movies this week out of order. So um, I was so excited that it is a movie that actually is a movie. Like, it all fits together. All the editing makes sense. Um, (laughs) It's just, I I think we've we've been on a run of watching some lesser quality films uh, in our search for Eric Roberts' perfection. And so I was pretty stoked that this felt like a thing that I would pay to see in a theater. Um, So I think I was a little overwhelmed with that at first. And then I actually really liked a lot of the train spotting aspects of it. Like um, at first, but I think towards the end of the movie, the, the various sort of weird editing and cuts to represent them getting high, it's such a theme in the movie that it started to grate on my nerves a little bit. Like, I started to be like, no, I get it. They took another hit. Uh, yep, yep. Well, let's do it again. All right, here we go. And I, I mean, I guess that's, in a sense, kind of effective in that it's certainly not a movie that's like, oh, man, aren't drugs great? Like, it was <laughs> – it's definitely not a, a pro-meth uh, movie. But uh, on the other hand, just as a viewer, I found it, it, it just kind of, you know, it wore on me a little bit. Overall, though, I, I love the performances. Like, I don't know. I think I think because also I – this is a movie – as soon as I saw the cover, like the poster, I've seen this in video stores since it came out. Oh, that movie. Right, right, right. And it's always a movie I've thought about renting, but I've never seen – finally getting to see it i really appreciated that much of it i'm wondering though um if i had seen it a bunch when it came out if it's a movie that maybe would have gotten old for me but i'm not sure right
2: now of course liam you like the moralizing about drug use because you as long time listeners of the show know are straight
0: <laughs> i don't so here's the thing that i have sort of the <laughs> opposite effect like I, you've probably never had this you want to see movies about how good drugs are no <laughs> It, but I don't want to, I don't, if if a movie has, takes too much of a high hand, it's like I don't want to like it because it's, like, so stere. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, I don't know if you have this, but I have friends <laughs> who are uh, vaguely religious, but they hate things that, in culture, that are religious because they don't want to, like, give away their hand. So they're, so they're they kind of like, oh, yeah, I don't like that, it's so corny. And you can tell they're kind of, like, overcompensating. <laughs> I, think I, I think I do that a little bit with things around being straight edge, because as much as I am straight edge and I care about that to some extent, I don't think it's, like, the most important thing in the world, and I don't want friends of mine who enjoy various uh, narcotics to feel like I'm walking around being like, oh, you guys suck, scum, I'm, I'm better. Now, now,
2: Liam, being straight edge does mean that you're better than other people, though, right? Oh, I fucking hate you so much. So anyway, it is, it does have a very <laughs> interesting... Spot has a great cast, uh, of course, starring Jason Schwartzman playing slightly against type as the drug-addled Ross, Mickey Rourke as the cook, Brittany Murphy, uh, the late Brittany Murphy as Nikki, John Leguizamo is actually quite good oh. here as well, and we almost get to see his dick, but it's covered with a sock, uh, and uh, of course, also almost famous is Patrick Fugit, 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 Fugit as a Frisbee uh, in a in a small role as well. This uh, film, Spawn, is based on uh, real-life occurrence um, experienced by screenplay writer Will De Los Santos, Uh, at least mostly real. I'm sure it's inspired by real events. I will say that my own feelings on the movie are a bit mixed. This was my first time watching it, though I was very aware when it came out in 2002, because at that time I was still uh, in my Rushmore love phase to the point where I would watch almost anything with Jason Schwartzman in Mm -hmm. it. Uh, But I didn't end up checking it out. I I do have to say that I like the stuff that feels the grimiest in this movie and the stuff that feels um, like it's... it's That's trying to capture the sort of day-to-day feelings of someone on uh, on these kind of drugs mm-hmm. and the, especially the, the awake, too-long, nauseating feeling that they're all going through. Mm-hmm. But the things I didn't like were the kind of the labored attempts at satire. There's a kind of cops parody in this movie, yeah. which I didn't care for at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find that it... it it, it felt like it was trying to do a little too much and also that it was trying to exaggerate a little bit. And the minute that you start exaggerating, it sort of takes away from the commentary on what you're actually trying to say. And even though there are moments in this movie that are very much based in kind of fantasy sequences and uh, an exaggeration that, that is meant to, you know, add visual interest to everything that's going on, I like it more when you see how pathetic these characters are and how how, how much they're struggling, but also how much they are the, the, the reliant on their own addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had some issues with Jason Schwartzman, chari- Jason Schwartzman's character because of his relationship with his, um, friend oh, shit, yeah. who he, well, Andre explain to me or explain <laughs> to the audience. Jason Schwartzman has a friend that he keeps in his apartment.
1: Yes. Um, so she's a, an exotic dancer and he goes to the club and, and they go home together and, uh, and they have sex and they're playing around and she is uh, handcuffed and tied up, spread eagle to the bed. He gets a pressing phone call. So, mm-hmm. you know, naturally he does what you would do, which is put duct tape over her mouth and eyes and leave her there with the radio or the stereo turned up as eyes it'll go. Right. She's there for what, like 12 hours, maybe? I think
2: that time, 12 hours. A
1: significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes back. She's angry. Unsurprisingly, uh, they make up. Right? She's still tied up. But guess what? Yep. Another pressing phone call. More duct tape. And and she's just left there for another span of the film. Um, and this is his girlfriend. Uh, uh, friend.
0: Friend at the very least. Friend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's that always seemed out of character for me. That behavior from him.
2: I wonder if that is at least, if that part is inspired by a real event, and if so, that sounds awful, but also, it, it does seem at odds with the character that Jason Schwartzman is playing in this movie, so it felt really false I, to I me. Totally I totally wow. agree. Wow,
0: yeah, I, I have to completely disagree. Really? Well, do it with words. Here's I'm about, I was about to, but I was leaving a dramatic pause here. I think that his character is a monster in every possible way. I thought this whole movie was a movie about monsters. That like, it's like someone looking back at a time in their life where this was basically their world and that's part of what makes it not fair in some ways because it's lacking, while there's humor and there's some like, yeah, people are out of control because of their addiction, it's not at all romanticized because it's someone, I sense a lot of self-loathing. Like, it's a lot of like Man, I was a horrible monster. Everyone I knew was horrible monsters. We told these stories that sounded like they were coming out of a place of sentimentality, like the way he treats Brittany Murphy's character. But I think the woman being chained up back in the thing is supposed to be the counterpoint. Like, don't fool yourself into thinking he's a human. He's not a human. Like, no one in this movie... In fact, I would say the only human in the movie, really, is uh, his next-door neighbor, Played by Blondie, uh, by Deborah Hara. <laughs> Deborah, what is her last name? Debbie Harry. Harry. Harry, Debbie Harry. She's like the only human in the movie. It seems like to me, or at least the only person who does something that makes sense. And everyone else is such a extreme, and it's a sort of extreme that I think is supposed to be a parody, but it's not a parody in like a fun way. It's like it, I, I, at least what I get from it, is a feeling of someone who's like, I don't have any affection for this. It's funny, it's like a cool story, but I don't have any affection for these people at all.
2: It's a, That's an interesting perspective to take, especially because it is based on someone's real-life experiences. And I can see that if you went through a period of drug addiction and you're looking back at a person that you don't recognize and that you maybe hate that person now, that you that that it would be very easy to write a demonized version of that. And I, I can see what you're saying. I think there is a perspective that you could take on this that uh, Jason Schwartzman character – that he's already kind of hit bottom when we're when we're watching him and that this is just kind of him zombie-like going through his life. But everyone he encounters are these characters more than real people because they're all yeah. – uh, they're really identified by their addiction. Well, I, now, I was
0: thinking about that with the two movies you mentioned, Transbody, Working for a Dream. They're both very negative about drugs, but I think the at least the characters in those movies have one or two moments where you see something about them that, like, represents who they were when they were. Or who they could could be, be. yeah, maybe. exactly. And this movie, I didn't see any of that. It's like a complete if, mush up of the good and the bad.
1: At the end, when uh, the cook is giving his speech, though, about the puppies and stuff, I thought that was a right. kind of a moment of uh, humanity and truth that he had. Like, yeah, I th-
2: like a possibility of redemption right, right. in him, or at least
1: at one point of humanity and like,
2: you know. I think also, and yeah, I think that's exactly right. I also think that um, that that the character that Ross's character the fact that we see hints of what his life was like before drugs were influencing him and that he had made some of those connections with people before, that, that that is something we can look to that, well, this is both what he's lost, but what he could at least theoretically regain. And maybe the the woman tied to his bed is just a, a, a symbol of how far he's gone. Mm. Uh, now, there are a lot of uh, small, interesting hearts in this movie. You mentioned, Liam, uh, Debbie Harry plays the uh, next-door neighbor sex-line lesbian. Uh, And there's also, we have small appearances by uh, Billy Corgan is in this movie, (laughs) as well as Rob Halford from Judas Priest is there briefly as well. Uh, Very... It's interesting, though I have to say I I did also find it slightly distracting to have these people popping up. Not so much Debbie Harry because she's playing an actual role. Rob Halford just sort of works at a porno store and has a a couple of of brief scenes. And, you know, when when it starts, I'm like, hey, it's Rob Halford. And then, you know, it goes back to it a little bit later. Hey, it's Rob Halford again. (laughs) Um, But uh, what do you think uh, was the reasoning for having some of these small uh, cameo appearances by famous – musicians let's start with you on that one i
1: definitely think these are people that uh Hackerland had probably previous relationships with he was a really famous uh music director so uh, in my head he was just like hey rob halford want to come do a couple scenes as a (laughs) porno clerk and he was like yeah i'd love to do that um (laughs) you may as well you know use your friends in high places and i do agree it was kind of distracting because the same thing i'm like it's or, you know, oh my god, it's Peter Stormare Who, you know, as everybody knows is a famous musician um, But it He, he is No, he's not, is he
2: really? He is, he actually has a band I, I uh, read an interview with him in Shock Cinema And he has a band back in, is he from Norway or Sweden? Wherever he's from, he uh, uh, he does indeed have a band Is there anything he can't do?
1: So maybe, maybe I maybe know That is how they knew each other, who knows um, Yeah, the cameos are kind of interesting I wanted to go back and make one point You know, you were saying about uh, the life that Ross had and lost. He wears a damn Letterman's jacket through the whole thing. Yeah, you know what I mean. This this kid was like a jock. This kid was uh, a successful athlete, at least in some respect. And I think that is just like the specter hanging around him.
2: Max Fisher gone wrong. What about uh, you, Liam? What did you
0: think of the uh, the cameo appearances by famous musicians in this movie? Um, well, I I kind of already accept Debbie Harry as an actress to some extent. So I guess that that didn't really. I mean, it clicked for me only in that, like, oh, yeah, she's in this, okay. But um, it was less distracting than uh, Rob Halford because I was like, oh, oh." it's such a a small role and he's so visually distinctive that I was like, wait, isn't that... And then I, I literally kind of in the moment was talking to myself no they wouldn't have Rob Halford in this movie just working in a porno shop that's so weird and, and <laughs> I had to look it up pause the movie look it up no that's him okay all right well that's there there you go honestly I miss Billy Court I still can't remember what he is I don't I have no idea he was the doctor who was a uh, Patrick Fugit
2: uh when he was getting his uh, testicles I guess uh operated on he was the one who was looking at me. he was wearing a really dumb uh wig
0: huh yeah I didn't notice it didn't distract me
2: at all, they didn't notice. Apparently it did not distract you, even though that wig certainly did for me. <laughs> um, though, Oh, so the band that Peter Stormari plays in is called Blonde from Fargo. He also runs a record label called Stormvox. I know, so I much being learned so here on this episode again. of Eric Roberts' The Fucking Man. Um, oh, I wanted to briefly mention that there is a very strange role, or at least... Uh, Maybe not. It depends on how much you're paying attention at any particular time. One of the police officers in the cop parody in this, one of them is Peter Stormari, and the other one is Alexis Arquette, yeah. play, playing a male role. It's actually she's actually great in this movie. Uh, but like I said, I didn't find those. I found those sequences to be to be distracting from the main plot. I also didn't care for the satirical side of them. But I wish. I kind of wish that we spent a little more time with those characters, just because they were pretty entertaining in their brief appearances.
1: Absolutely. They're a DVD extra waiting to happen. I can't
2: Yes, that is exactly right. Now, let's talk about the soundtrack to Spun. I feel like in some ways this movie exists to give us a soundtrack, at least partially. Andrea, I'm under the impression that you really like the soundtrack. Of this movie.
1: I do. I enjoy it. Um, I especially love that opening song, uh, the cover of uh, Number of the Beast. That's good stuff. Uh uh-huh. um, What else? What else is in there that's good? There's just a lot of like... Uh, interesting, kind of really good atmospheric stuff. I like all the stuff at the strip club is good. Um, it's a good movie. Now, who are some of the
2: artists on this soundtrack?
1: Um, off the top of my head, well, Billy Corgan, certainly. Zwan is the first. They Zwan Zwan. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Which was an offshoot yeah. of Smashing Pumpkins.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, just as successful as Smashing Pumpkins. Absolutely.
1: Let me consult the internet, which I also have right here. That's good. Me.
2: I, I probably should have made notes for that for everybody to look at, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Liam, but while she's looking that up, d- did the soundtrack jump out at you at all? It really, because I know you're a music man.
0: No, I appreciate that. It, I mean, you're a singer in a band. Oh my gosh, do not please. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it it did actually. I at first, uh, I it, it, that actually was a little distracting at first because. Um, I didn't. I wasn't aware of this soundtrack particularly, and I wasn't aware of some of the songs that were on it. So right. there were moments when I would just stop and be like, "Okay, I need to find the soundtrack and figure out what song this is, and whatever, get into that a little bit." And I think especially when this came out, it's like two thousand two, two thousand three. Sure. Um, I was interested in some of the bands that were on this, but for some reason, I didn't know any. I didn't realize they were on this soundtrack at all.
2: Now I have to ask you a question, Liam. Uh huh. I'm sure Andrea's almost got that. I've got uh, got uh, got it when you boys are ready. In fact, I'll go back to you in just a second, Liam. Andrea, what are some of the songs that we should be enjoying on the Spun All
1: right, so we've got, there's a 39 tracks on the Spun
2: That seems excessive. I agree,
1: (laughs) I agree. There's a little bit of Ozzy Osbourne. uh, Junkie is on here. um, uh, Gotta Get to Know You by Foghat. Rock On by T-Rex. Good stuff. There's a... Any Papa Roach? No Papa um, Mm Roach. Not that I'm seeing. There's some teddy bears songs. There's a uh, uh, leather nun, which I can't say that I've heard of, unfortunately. Hurdy uh, gurdy <laughs> man by Donovan. Always. Good. Hey. There's a song uh, by uh, Jason Schwartzman's band. Nobody, uh, nobody's fault by Phantom Planet.
2: Remember Phantom Planet. Phantom
1: Planet. California. Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: love that song unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a Rob Halford song uh, called Drive. So, Interesting. Pretty, you know, 39 songs, something for everybody,
2: really. Andrea, you like Zwan. I do enjoy Zwan. Mm-hmm. And you probably, I'm going to guess, you also like Smashing Pumpkins. I do. I do like okay. Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> with that said, what's your take on Billy Corgan?
1: Oh, Billy Corgan means well, right? Mm-hmm. I mean.
2: Does, does he, though? But okay. I,
1: th- I You know, I'll be totally honest. <laughs> I haven't followed him personally very much since, like, you, the. You lucky
2: woman. <laughs> <laughs> you're a very lucky woman
1: <laughs> i kind of just let him do his
2: things and i'm like
1: oh number melancholy and the infinite sadness oh i really love that song adore like i'm i live in a perpetually uh late 90s billy corgan
2: mo- mode which i think is a that's a nice thing. place to be yeah
0: yeah
2: how about you liam thoughts on billy corgan
0: i try not to have any
2: <laughs> well now you have to say the ones you do have
0: I don't. I mean, when, when Smashing Pumpkins came out, I was just at a point where uh, I wasn't really listening to that much popular music. So a few, a few songs kind of uh, made their way into my consciousness just from going to dances or interacting with normals. But for the most part, I don't really know their music that much. And so, you know, when he said embarrassing things or done things embarrassing publicly, I, it's just like, oh, that's that guy. Like, it's, I have no connection to him as a human being.
2: You know, recently uh, Billy Corgan was on Alex Jones's radio show. Yeah, and he compared social justice warriors to the KKK. Mm. He also uh, believes that chemtrails are affecting our moods. Oh, Billy! Anyway, *Spun* from 2002 <laughs> is notable for a number of different reasons. Yes, it does re- reteam Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts. From uh, their seminal Pope of Greenwich Village And they actually have a great scene together Probably my favorite scene in the entire movie mm-hmm. It's also terrific because not only is Eric Roberts in this movie But Eric Roberts plays a character called The Man So even, it makes the title of this podcast literally true Eric Roberts is the fucking man in Spun However, his performance is very unique. I mean, in fact, Andre, you mentioned it's it, the reason that we're watching it is because it's a very different kind of Eric Roberts performance. But it's also one that might be slightly controversial. Let's face it, he's playing gay, but he's also playing camp. He's gay. playing. He is, he's
1: playing swish.
2: He's playing Liberace. Full
1: on Liberace. Uh, yes, effeminate. You know, <laughs> he's got yeah. nails. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like some nicely done nails. Glasses yeah. like my grandmother. I mean, it's awesome.
2: Yes. Yeah. I have to say, he's incredibly entertaining in this movie with his swishy nature. Uh, but he's also one could see it as uh, offensively stereotyping and mocking uh, gay stereotypes. in I mean, it's it is a performance that could be taken a number of different ways. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Spun?
0: Uh, it's not my favorite performance of his. Um, I wouldn't go so far as to say I didn't like it. I mean, it's it's silly, it's funny, it's whatever, but uh, it kind of feels like, I don't know. I, I I I wouldn't go so far, though, because it's so campy. It's so over-the-top. I certainly wasn't offended by it, only because it it just was so ridiculous. It was just such right. a silly thing. Um, and I kind of liked it in the sense of, up until that point uh Mickey Rourke's character seems like such a kind of macho man and so tough and so like seems like the kind of bro that wouldn't be too stoked on going into this uh mm-hmm. den of de- den of mm-hmm. male love and like just chilling and being basically hit on and the fact that he just literally could not care like it's totally fine yeah. in that situation That's such a good point. I love it. Yeah, it was it was kind of cool. But then that was off-put later by his interaction with Rob Halford. So I didn't, I didn't know what to make of that. I thought that was a little weird. Right. Mm, right.
2: Well, I guess that maybe there's a respect level there that has been built up. Obviously, they have a pre-existing relationship, a long-term yeah. pre-existing relationship. Mm-hmm. It was just really nice to see these actors interact. And you could tell that they were sort of rising to the oh, occasion yeah? of that sequence. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, Eric is playing it. <laughs> he's playing it to the hilt and Mickey Rourke is kind of low keying in the scene, but it really works. Actually, I have to say, I really like Mickey Rourke in this movie. Uh, hes I think his might be my favorite performance in the entire movie. You can really see that he's, he gives a shit here, and um, I, I use that as a counterpoint to certain other movies that we have sometimes watched. Perhaps one featured on this very episode, <laughs> where he maybe, maybe doesn't seem to care about the material as much, but here, I can see how this Directly, even though it was what a good five or six years later, led to his comeback. Uh, which, which I mean, it may have stalled a little bit at this point, but you can see how the talent was still there. Uh, and it's so nice to watch him in a movie. I mean, this movie got theatrical, theatrically released, and uh, and people sighed, it and it was well reviewed at the time, so it's just nice to see, um. It's nice to see him in a performance where he's engaged with everything that he's doing, Andrea. Now you mentioned that you really like Eric Roberts playing against type, but what do you think generally of his performance here? I mean, do you think that uh, that he's able to match up to um, Mickey Rourke's level?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I think I think he's playing a character that's like hyper hyper uh, realized like all the other characters in the movie. I think he he is he is a character in this movie that I want to have their own movie. I want to see what this guy's story is big time and watching it, knowing uh, the history of friendship between R- Rourke and Roberts is really exciting for to me because they just look like they're having fun with it. And who knows how many versions of that scene even exist, but I want to watch them all. Um, <laughs> I think he's great. He has a few lines. He steals the scene completely from Mickey Rourke, who, like you said, he's easily my favorite performance in the movie. Um, And he was kind of the Steen Sailor in all the other scenes until he's with Eric Roberts. And then he is just throwing, um, you know, all the attention goes right to Eric Roberts. And he's awesome. (laughs) The man is awesome. He runs shit well.
2: It's interesting that both Liam and I, we watch, this might surprise you, Andrea, but we watch a lot of Eric Roberts movies. (laughs) Uh, and, And a lot of the movies that we've watched that have been released, say, over the last three or four years. They are one-scene wonders for Eric Roberts. Mm -hmm. He shows up Mm -hmm. for one sequence, and then he's gone, just like he does here in Spun. But in those movies, it's a matter of budget, right? In the movies that we usually watch. And it's a case where you know he can't have too much of an effect on the plot because he really just comes in to have one big scene doing one thing, and then he's gone again. Here, the movie sort of leads up to his appearance, and it's not the same movie without him in it. And it's just nice to see them using him using kind of his abilities uh in such a unique way. Sure. Because certainly if you were thinking if you were looking at the script for this, Eric Roberts isn't the first actor that you would think of right. to put in that role. I love it. Which lead
1: you know Oh sorry, sorry, go ahead.
2: No, no, no. I'm, i I agree. I love it as well. I want to hear why you love no,
1: it. No, I was gonna say too uh you know I think that Mickey Rourke and Eric Roberts have had similar careers in a lot of ways. And Very much you so. saying one hit wonders or one scene wonders like I've watched, surprisingly, a lot of Mickey Rourke movies in my time, and I have I have made my way through, I have slogged through a lot of the same thing, where it's like, <laughs> you know, a dependable actor in one scene and out, and that's kind of it. And um, I really like that they've done so many movies together over the years, because I think, I would like to think that they each have a hand in that. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I know someone who can do this. I know someone who can do
2: this. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right. They are in the similar sort of bracket. I think still Mickey Rourke is probably a little higher up on the uh, on the pecking order, but they're in a similar bracket where I imagine we're going to see more Eric Roberts, Mickey Rourke Absolutely. movies in the future.
0: So.
2: I would hope. so. I would hope. Now the movie already answers the question normally posited by this podcast, which is: Is Eric Roberts the man in 2002's *Spun*? Yes, literally, he's the man in it. Without But a is doubt. he? Is he the fucking man? in 2002 spun andrea i think i'm getting an affirmative from you already a
1: hard 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 affirmative
2: absolutely a hard affirmative hard
1: affirmative i think he's the fucking man he really if you if you want to get down to brass tacks the movie is not possible without him he is money I agree. behind
2: this he's the money man yeah. he's the fucking man liam you had more mixed feelings on spun do you think eric roberts is the fucking man in the movie
0: my initial response, I think, as I was thinking about it, was to say, no, uh, because I, I just, you know, I just thought, like, well, it's, you know, it's such whatever role. But then the more I thought about it, I thought, you know, it is true. He's He, he sort of works as the climax in, in a lot of ways. And even though I, I personally wouldn't, if I was his advisor, say, like, yeah, that's, you should do that. That sounds like a good thing. He He does own it and he does put a lot into it. And. It is great seeing him and Mickey work together. And honestly, like, you know, it, it's also a real thing. Like, we've seen him in so many of these show up roles that are just like a waste of time. Like, Eric Roberts could literally Skype in and do the role and it would be fine. <laughs> so, or
2: maybe hop into the bathroom and record some voiceover for a talking cat. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, uh, the fact that he actually is there and he's actually putting in the work, I think it makes him the man. Yeah. That's too. Two fucking mans here on
2: Eric Roberts of the fucking man episode number thirty. I'm gonna complete the trilogy. Yes, Eric Roberts is the fucking man, both literally and figuratively. In 2002, Spun. I have mixed feelings about the movie. Again, I feel like some aspects of it don't work. I feel like when it gets away from the uh, the more uh, from the, I, I feel like I like the stylized aspects of it, but when it gets too uh, when it goes too far in that. That direction And it gets too deep into the satirical uh, portions of it I I start to lose interest But generally, I think it's worth your time And certainly it's worth your time If you want to check out Eric Roberts In a role very different than what we usually cover Here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man Let's take another break And we're gonna, we'll come back to a role That's a lot more Eric Roberts normalized performances That's not even a sentence Yeah, we're gonna come back and talk about A hitman in London, aka Skin Traffic More Eric Roberts right after this
0: One, two, three Get down.
1: Pay the cost to be the boss.
2: A jaded hitman regains his humanity in this dark tale of redemption and sacrifice set amidst a brutal underworld in which daily survival is not so much a skill, but an instinct. It's 2015's Skin Traffic, or, if you're in the U.S., a hitman in London. Yeah, it's a a star-studded affair, (laughs) Uh, but does star one Mr. Gary Daniels, uh, who is... um, a martial artist of renown and, of course, appeared in uh, The Expendables with Eric Roberts as well. And I think in a few other Eric Roberts movies as well. What was that one with Steve Austin, Liam O'Donnell? Oh, that we watched. It was... Um...
0: Oh, the name is completely
2: escaped. Hunt to something? Is it Hunt to Kill, maybe? Yeah, I think so. It, we, we... Anyway. Yeah. He was he was one of the bad guys in that as well. But yes, Gary Daniels is the star of this. I don't know why it has two titles. I guess in London, they don't like watching movies called a something in London. Though I think an American werewolf in London is still called that there. <laughs> uh, what did you think of A Hitman in London? Liam? Well, I think that
0: uh, our star, he knows, you know, because, now correct me if I'm wrong, did he also write and direct this? No, I don't believe okay. so. Well, whoever – so so there is um, it some was, – It was directed by a stuntman, though, obviously right. a stunt person. Well, that's what I was going to say. Whoever put this movie together cares about stunts. Uh, they care about martial arts. They care about the action film genre, and that's what they want this film to be. Uh, and I would say as far as the choreography, I'm. I think they got a lot of that right. I can't tell if they got all of it right, though – because they're not as good at actually filming those things. And Mm -hmm. so I can put up with, you know, the the movie doesn't succeed in a lot of places, such as acting or uh, sets that make any sense or a compelling plot. (laughs) But I can actually let go of some of those elements for the the sweet spot of kick-ass action. I have this thing where even though I love very intellectual and often very abstract films you know if i'm going to watch a movie that's not great in a lot of technical or artistic ways if it has the action going for it i, I can i can absorb sure. a lot of sins and in this i imagine movie, a lot of
2: a lot of the listeners of this show would agree with that
0: yeah and in this movie it felt as if there might even be some action but between the bad camera angles and the editing and the Awful sound design. I couldn't tell what the fuck was going on, and so it just <laughs> left me having to rely on other elements in the film, which were terrible.
2: Now, Andre, d- do you agree with that? It sounded like you wanted to interject something there.
1: Oh my God, Liam is a better person than I am. I think I should start with that. Um, All right. I. He is straight edge. I. Yeah, but I'm vegan, so. Mm. Oh, and I'm a I'm not, really, I'm,
2: oh my God. I'm not really vegan. I'm not really. Oh, she's vegan. Not. oh you faker. I think.
1: I played the I played the vegan card. Um, I believed
2: it for a second because you sounded so sincere. I'm mm-hmm. a
1: great liar.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
1: the action for me was not redeemable because it seemed like everything I saw was a dude moving out of the way of a punch.
2: Yeah. Or
1: a kick. Or jumping out of the way. Um, the cast blew my damn mind because there's so many people <laughs> I love in this movie. And I was like... How much did you fuckers get paid? Because it must have been a lot. Because- List them off
2: us, Andrea. Who who is in this movie? Okay,
1: so Eric Roberts, the fucking man, right?
2: In this um, movie, the executive, the executive,
1: Nikki <laughs> uh, Rourke, of course, a, you know a favorite, as I've mentioned. Michael mm-hmm. Manson, another favorite, another uh, amazing actor who kind of toils in the Eric Roberts slash Nikki Rourke area. Uh, Tom, Tom Sizemore, sort of. Uh, absolutely yeah alleys of hollywood daryl hannah let's hear it Mm -hmm. for daryl hannah and uh miss dominic swain who i haven't seen in about 30 years well if you you
2: have seen her lately you've probably seen her in movies with eric roberts because she's been in a shitload of them lately (laughs) Uh, i I do want to ask you yeah it's really exciting i mean again that's one of the things about these this movie looks really cheap sometimes so cheap uh but no, I mean, sometimes it really doesn't. I mean, sometimes it looks like that, you know, uh, it, it looks like a straight-to-video action movie, which is what I was expecting it to be. But sometimes it looks a lot cheaper than that. Um, okay. but significantly cheaper. But the cast sort of transcends that because there are so many familiar faces. One other I want to add to that list, Andrea, before you continue, is also uh, both... Actually, two people. Jeff Fahey, uh, I should say. Jeff yes, Fahey is in yes, here. Yes, yes, yes. And he's actually great. I really like him in just about anything, uh, mm-hmm. especially now that he's gotten a little older and grayer. I just feel like he's got a certain amount of gravitas to things he says and does now that he never had when he was lawnmower man aged.
0: Um,
2: and (laughs) So I really like him. Also, we have Alan Ford. And if you don't recognize that name, uh, he was the lead baddie from Guy Ritchie's Snatch, who's in here briefly as well with his commanding, amazing voice. So please, Andrea, please continue. What were your thoughts on the film?
1: Oh, my gosh. I mean, no one looked like they – well – I'm going to say not Eric Roberts because he, everyone else just seemed like they did not give a shit. Like they were super tired.
2: <laughs> they were
1: like, these are the lines I just looked at. I'm going to say them. And then I'm going to go eat a burger. Like it was just so, and then there was like low rent, Clive Owen trying to be like an actor. And you know, the lead guy, Gary Daniels, sorry, sir. Mm-hmm. Um, And the whole movie starts and it's like this great cliffhanger with, the dead daughter, and you're like, oh, guess what? We're not going to talk about that. We're going to do something completely different. It just seemed like the script was... I really hate you guys for making me watch this movie.
2: I feel like you deserve deserve a certain amount of the blame. (laughs) It's very interesting that you brought up... So when you mentioned the dead daughter, for those who haven't seen the movie, which (laughs) I imagine is most of you, it starts with a confrontation between Gary Daniels and... Mickey Rourke. And what what you really do learn a lot about his character in that scene, that he's a tough guy, that he's a hitman. I'm talking about Gary Daniels now. And uh, Mickey Rourke is sort of a crime boss. But he also has a moral center. And he's he's there to, to retrieve something. They have a conversation. He ends up being able to get it uh, with the minimum of violence, just killing Mickey Rourke's men, but not Mickey Rourke. Mm-hmm. But within that conversation, he threatens Mickey Rourke's daughter. But Mickey Rourke, because he knows Gary Daniels' a character by reputation, he knows that he wouldn't Hurt his daughter. However, in the fracas, uh, when he's trying to escape, Gary Daniels shoots one of the bodyguards of Mickey Rourke, and the daughter is standing right behind that bodyguard, so he ends up killing her accidentally. And then we jump ahead, what like five years, where he pregnant sort of retired.
1: Daughter. Pregnant daughter. Yeah,
2: pregnant daughter. That's right. Yeah. He the, he. Uh, the the old double whammy, as I like to call it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, but then we don't go back to that story until like the final five minutes of the movie, which really sets up a sequel, which. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I will say that is being very presumptuous to put that at the beginning of your movie to set up a sequel that, yeah, you got to get through this movie first.
1: When we watched the opening scene, I'm like, yes, Mickey Rourke's going to have a huge part in this. Oh, my God, I'm so excited.
2: Nope. Nothing. Just a bad
1: wig and a great suit. And that was
2: it. Great suit. And the face that we've come to know and sort of recognize.
1: Oh, (laughs) the face we know and love. Uh, Fun fact, Mickey Rourke picks out his clothing for almost all of his movies.
2: I that's can believe that looks
1: really similar in almost all of his
2: movies. <laughs> of late. Also, yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess that's part of his deal and I'm sure he gets to write his own ticket in parts <laughs> like a Hitman in London. Oh. Um, so uh, going back to the action that you mentioned, Liam, uh, I, I, this movie was directed by a gentleman named Ara Paella, Uh And I, hopefully I haven't completely fucked up that pronunciation, but uh, he is a stuntman and this is, a stuntman movie in that it does all of that kind of classic stuntman stunts are visible in this like someone getting set on fire someone getting knocked through a windshield so you know uh, someone getting kicked and the 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 rig kind of pulls him across the room that sort of thing so it's very much kind of like the late 80s early 90s style of action but i feel like in 2015 and 2016 and really probably for a decade before that we're kind of past that sort of action uh, and we've either moved on to – we've kind of moved on to one of two other styles. A, we've moved on to um, uh, a martial arts film uh, – like an Asian martial arts film um, influence style where there's a lot of movement that you get to see before an edit. And Or alternatively, we've gone to a lot of shaky cam style like a born Identity type thing where there's a lot of kind of close-up movement that's a lot more physicality to it, almost like a UFC style. But in this, it is, feels very old-fashioned. It feels like an early 90s-type action movie where every time someone makes contact or supposedly makes contact on a punch or a kick, it changes angles so you see it from a different perspective, but it makes everything feel really choppy. The editing in this movie is fucking horrible, and it meant that there's no momentum in any of the action. Gary Daniels is, I mean, he's got to be in his 50s at this point, and he's obviously still a very uh, capable Action star not as capable In the acting department but you can look over that If he brings it with the action But I feel like this movie doesn't do him any Favors and it's a shame because you know if he If he was really able to show everything He can do I have the feeling That he could really you know Help this rise above some of the material On screen but one thing I did Want to mention because you brought it up Andrea Is Dominique Swain now we We know and love Dominique Swain Don't we Liam Uh Lolita. <laughs> John Woo's face off.
1: I was gonna say daughter and face off.
2: Mm-hmm. And Lolita, uh, and that's pretty much it. That's pretty much all. Uh, yeah. Lolita. Lolita. Uh, mm-hmm. yep. uh,
0: yeah.
2: Here she plays a Russian prostitute. Ooh, that and ass. she she has the worst Russian accent I that I may have ever ever heard in my entire life. I didn't know and she was Russian my until, own
1: like I'm sorry.
2: No, no, it's okay. I, If anything, you did the audience a favor because I was about to try a Russian accent and it was not going to go well. <laughs> it was going to go very, very badly. No, I she's didn't playing Russian.
1: Russian. Until like it three would be, scenes in.
2: Yeah. She is doing this fucking Ugh. Boris Badenov yeah. horse shit that is so inconsistent from scene to scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- and also, she could have just like laid it on like just lightly and it would have been perfectly fine, but she's going full. Oh, man, full Cold War, Yakov, Shmurnoff. Yeah, full yeah. Natasha, Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, and yeah, And it, 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 it is humiliating to watch her. <laughs> she is by far the worst thing about this movie, though I did kind of look forward to her being in it uh, after, after those early scenes just because I was like, I got to hear more of this fucking accent. Um, <laughs> most of the other names that you listed, um, Andrea, are very small parts. In fact, they're almost superfluous. The Michael Madsen and Daryl Hannah parts in this movie, their scenes are almost exclusively together. Right. They don't really have much to do at all. And in fact, I mm-hmm. kind of forget how they fit into the plot now that I think about it. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of felt like – and this is, goes back to Sicilian Vampire, which we covered a few episodes ago. Um, they're there just because they were affordable and they were names – But they don't actually play into the movie to any real extent. And, in fact, their scenes are kind of – they're okay because it's nice to see these actors interact. You start thinking about Kill Bill and you start thinking about (laughs) that horse movie that we watched forever ago. Remember that, Liam? Oh, yeah. (laughs) They must be good friends, I guess, because they they appear in movies together sometimes. But, yeah, no, it's not – this isn't a tough guy Michael Madsen role. Uh, He plays the boss. In the movie, uh, Daryl <laughs> Hannah does have kind of one nice moment, but I wasn't too impressed by them in this movie. Uh, would you agree with that, Andrea? That they just don't have much to do?
1: They're useless, really. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause> she like <laughs> runs the kind of like prostitution ring, sort of, mm. or like at least recruits for it. And he kind of also does. Yes. Like they so. they were shot in like a nightclub and just kind of edited into the movie. It felt like there was no interaction with anybody else. Really, it was just.
2: If it was you do a waste. watch? If you do watch this movie, I'm talking to the uh, audience now, keep an eye out for these scenes with Daryl Hannah and Michael and when they're interacting. I think at some points, only one of them were available. So some of the reverse shots have someone whose head is cut off, but oh, who's wearing God. the same clothes as the other. So I feel like they're, they're doing some kind of um, tricky editing. Camera
1: trickery, yeah.
2: <laughs> Camera trickery in order to hide the fact that maybe they weren't always on set together. But yeah, that's just something, hey, you got to make your own fun when you're watching a movie called A Hitman in London. Skin tra- now, all of this... Sorry?
1: I just wanted to scream Skin Traffic. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, Skin Traffic, a.k.a. Skin Traffic, which is a very, a really bad title. I should mention a Skin Traffic with a K. Traffic with a K. Not Skin with a K, though also Skin with a K. Back to you, Liam. Who gave your favorite performance that is not Eric Roberts in A Hitman in London?
0: That's a tough question, actually, because I was immediately going to say Eric Roberts. Um, <laughs> I guess... I guess Fahey, actually, as you were already pointing out, that he's, there's something, in his later years, I really like him. Though, he shows up as a diamond merchant in, like, the final 20 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Is thats is that what, is he a diamond merchant? Isn't that right? I think I'm right with I that. He, I know he's someone that, that, he was sent, he was someone that the uh, the hitman from London, apparently, was supposed to, <laughs> which, can we just say really quick, a hitman in London suggests that the hitman isn't in London, but this guy lives in London, so it doesn't make any sense that that's what actually, I would like.
2: Su- I would actually, not to disagree with you, Liam, but I'm going to, a hitman in London seems to suggest that it is a. it does take place in London, but the hitman himself is not from London. Yeah, that's what I just said. No, you, su- you said that it, it suggested that it wouldn't take place in London. No, that's not what I said. I think that's what
0: you said. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Pretty goddamn sure. Well, what I was trying to say is what you just said. You just stole my fucking comment because you're Canadian
2: (laughs) and that's what you do. So we finish up A Hitman in London by talking about Eric Roberts, the actor, who in this film, as I mentioned before, plays the executive, who, even though you don't realize it maybe in the first half of the movie, is really the big baddie. It's set up to be like that Mickey Rourke is going to be, but Eric Roberts plays the bad guy in this movie. He's sort of striking from afar, and then he has a one-on-one face-off (laughs) With our hero, Gary Daniels In the final scene And what happens at that moment Spoiler alert Is something that I enjoyed so much That I turned it into an animated gif And I know that my two co-hosts today Have been looking at it Because I put it in the notes for the show (laughs) So I'm just going to tell you what happens right here You could probably figure out That Gary Daniels gets one up And and manages to uh, come out of this movie victorious But you might not know That he does so By (laughs) pointing a gun at Eric Roberts' head and blowing the fucking top of his head off Like really Basically removing from the, the bridge of the nose Up and just turning everything else Into this spray of digital blood And it really is Outstanding <laughs> It's I, I have to give the movie credit It ends on one of his finer moments But before we talk about that Let's talk about Eric Roberts He doesn't have a lot to do in A Hitman in London But he certainly
0: does it capably Liam, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean definitely I think that uh it it was overall a lackluster film but eric roberts even though it's you know it's familiar ground he's being creepy we see him be creepy a lot maybe that gets a little old for people but for me i you know i thought he actually seemed to show up in a way that some of our other recognizable actors uh seemed like they were phoning phoning it in you know and foaming it in. yeah they're whatever they were doing it wasn't good would you agree with that Andre?
1: absolutely absolutely um Eric Roberts looking good, great hair, great suit, Mm -hmm. being evil. I mean, there's a lot to like in this. He
2: he certainly is a lot better in this movie. There's there's some inkling at the beginning that he's supposed to be a good guy. But we know right from the very moment that he appears, oh, that's not going to (laughs) stick. He's going to be an asshole before long. (laughs) And he does. He turns bad. And um, I really think he... There's a lot of just like answering phones and talking to people in a room and that sort of shit. But once he has that final confrontation in that – even though Gary Daniels doesn't necessarily have the strongest uh, acting ability, I feel like that scene really works. And he really comes off as total shitty scumbag asshole Eric Roberts, which is perfect for this sort of confrontation where it's like, boy, you know what I'd like to see is his head get blown the fuck off. (laughs) And then that's what the movie gives us. Delivers. That's right. So, setting up expectations or hopes and then either holding back on them or then delivering, that's how a movie is supposed to build tension and expectation and love. And that's why I love the end of A Hitman in London, except for the part at the end where we get Mickey Fork again. Uh, what did you think of that uh, head uh, blowing off sequence, Andrea? So
1: unexpected. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of violence and like gunplay and like stunts and stuff, and people going, like you said, catching on fire and going through plate glass. But then someone gets their head blown yeah, off. Uh-huh. Very unexpected. Great resolution. <laughs> Very happy. Uh,
2: despite the fact that it might ruin the movie for a few people, I will put that animated GIF in the show notes so everyone can see. the did,
0: did you find that that was a memorable moment for you? Uh Yeah. It, it brought a little moment of ridiculousness to a movie that, I mean, there's a lot of things you could point to in the film and be like, I can't believe that's in there. What the hell? But most of them aren't fun. Most of them just kind of like, uh, right. fuck you. Like, why does this exist? And that was one moment where I was like, what? Really? OK, cool, <laughs> great. That's, that's awesome. You had something
2: to add to that I was
1: going to say, I'm just glad they spent their money on that. Like, and I agree, a lot of the stuff you're like, oh, fuck you, no, oh. But then that was like, good use of time and effort.
2: <laughs> why couldn't the movie have been 45 minutes shorter and much, much bloodier? <laughs> A hitman in London, a bit of a mixed bag. However, that brings us to the question that this podcast asks every episode Is Eric Roberts the fucking man in skin traffic? Starting with you, Liam.
0: Yeah, definitely.
2: He is the fucking man that's won. How about you, Andre? Definitely
1: the fucking man. I would agree.
2: Three for three, once again, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2015's Skin Traffic slash A Hitman in London. Hey, check it out, at least for that ending, or just go to the show notes and see all the good stuff right there. Otherwise, eh, you can see these actors in better work in other movies. Yeah, even Mickey Rourke in his fancy clothes. (laughs) See see that in a lot of recent movies, in fact. We're going to take our final break, and when we return, we're going to have a little chat with Andrea, do a little plugging, and say goodnight. Every life a little rain must fall. That brings us to episode 30's end of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. I want to give a massive thank you to Andrea for taking time out of her busy schedule to talk about Eric Roberts with us. And even though she forced us to watch A Hitman in London, we do not hold that against her. You were a wonderful... I knew you were going to be wonderful before you even came on. You just confirmed what I already knew. But predictability is what I love most in this world. Andrea, where can people check out your work? And your life.
1: You're making me blush. Um, also, I think it's funny that you spun that, the responsibility of watching A Hitman in London, onto me somehow. <laughs> uh, I apologize I love, I love the... if that's the case. Um, so you can find me at uh, on Twitter at Parker and Cooley, P-A-R-K-E-R-A-N-D-C-O-O-L-E-Y. Um, I also have a blog, uh, Parker and Cooley, at Tumblr.com, where I talk about my VHS collection, um, some autobiographical stuff, Mixed in with movies, uh, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll wish you had uh, not read it. I hope that's not And the in case.
2: fact, one of the reasons that I first felt a, uh, a connection with you is because you did a write-up on one of my favorite movies, Canada's Hardcore Logo. Yes!
1: Such an underseen, um, amazing piece of cinema that I will love until my dying day.
2: Liam, you're a punk. What do you think of Hardcore Logo? Uh, I actually don't know it. Mmm, you're not so punky after all. You
1: have a treat ahead of you, Liam. You really do.
2: Just <laughs> stop pressing buttons. <laughs> Andre, is there any other place that we can find you on the internet? No,
1: um, I'm just there. Uh, Parker and Cooley on Twitter and Parker and Cooley at Tumblr. I just uh, changed over to Tumblr, so there aren't, mm, there isn't much there now, but there will be soon.
2: I apologize if if this should be obvious. To someone as cultured as myself, but what does that mean, Parker and Cooley? No,
1: it's um, it's actually uh, the cross streets where I grew up. It's not
2: a oh, at all. I didn't know that. How would I know that? You're, you're not. It's a mystery. <laughs> it is a mystery. Thank you again, Andrea. Please come back and talk about more. It doesn't have to involve Mickey Work. It could involve anybody, but it does have to involve Eric Ross.
1: I'm. I would love to come back. Thank you so much,
2: Liam. Thank you so much, Doug, for having me. It was a blast. It went by very quickly, Liam. Yeah. <laughs> Liam, where can people find G on the internet if they want to, no, for some reason? Uh, you, press, you press that button once more, I'm going to break your fingers.
0: Uh, I'm <laughs> it live on air. I know you're in a different country, but I'll just find a way. I love you so much. Uh, All right. Let's at, plug something. At Liam Rules. Uh, at L. With a Z. With a Z. That's right. Because that's how we spell it in America um that's john i guess <laughs> and then also uh I'm saying john also uh at Citapunks, uh c-i-n-e-p-u-n-x also the better spelling uh yeah just check those out also citapunks.com. uh that's it
2: and the bruce campbell film festival oh yeah
0: we're tickets are actually starting to go for that but we haven't announced the finalized lineup but people they want those passes they want to get to that thing so get on it
1: I just heard that the Bruce Campbell Film Festival is showing uh the movie that Scott Weinberg produced, Found Footage Three D. Well
0: that's right. Right. I'll right. throw a little plug
1: in there for that. Hell yeah. yeah.
0: Right. That's yeah, so I...
1: exciting.
0: Actually, we Scott was sitting right next to my wife last night at the John Carpenter thing, so uh, we got to talking a little bit about the movie, and uh, we our our co friend Ed Travis Ed went and did like a uh, set visit and wrote about the movie and stuff. So, but yeah, I'm excited. That's going to be there. We're doing. Um,
2: and beyond the gates, will be showing, uh, which was written by former Eric Roberts as the fucking man, a uh, pairer Steven Scalabrini. Yep.
0: Beyond the gates, don't breathe, uh, here alone. And then we're uh, Fred Decker's coming. We're going to do Monster what? Squad and Night of the Creeps.
1: Oh my and, God!
0: Uh, the well, what is it? Uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey anniversary. What? Holy uh, shit! Is Alex Winter going to be there? I don't. I don't think we've announced whether he's gonna be there or not. Oh, so Alex Winter is gonna be there. Is that <laughs>
2: being announced? Keanu I don't Roberts gonna be is the there? What? No, no,
0: no. Let's 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 clarify. <laughs> so let's Keanu clarify. and I'm not Alex in charge Winter. of getting famous George people there. So Carlin I don't know if he's do? gonna <laughs> I fucking hate him. So Death is going to be there. The guy, Lawrence the guy who played Death is gonna be there, but I forget. What do you mean, the guy who played death? The, the literal guy
1: dead death. guy who
2: played death? No, I know, but you know that his name is William Sadler. I mean that's I f- you got to know that. I am supposed to know that, but I forgot what his name was. I wasn't going to take up time to look it up. From the Shawshank Redemption. Also, in fact, he was interviewed, I believe, by former Eric Roberts as the fucking man guest, John Cross. Tales
1: from the Crib, Demon Night.
2: Yeah, there, there's it, it's a rich tapestry. Not like anyway. That. Check out uh, the Bruce Campbell Film Festival. If you want to find out more of my writing, if you want to read it, you certainly can. You can do that over on dailygrindhouse.com. You can also find my monthly column over on electriccitymagazine.com. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Please follow me on Twitter. Everyone else does. And you can also <laughs> check out all of the older episodes of Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at Eric Roberts is the man. Dot com. Yeah, you can uh, subscribe via iTunes or Stitcher or whatever is your bag. Please leave us a review on iTunes. It would be doing us a big favor. You can also find the Eric Roberts is the fucking man Twitter feed at at ERTFM as well as on Facebook. Do a search for Eric Roberts is the man and you can follow us on there and get some behind the scenes uh, scoops. But with that said, I think that's all there is in the Eric Roberts verse for episode number 30. I do want to remind you, listeners, that we love you very much. Liam loves you. Andrea loves you all the more. Please return with us in another couple of weeks where we'll be watching more Eric Roberts classics. We don't know what it's going to be. It could be anything. Talk to you then. Everyone say goodnight.
1: Good night, everyone.
2: Say goodnight, Liam. Good. If you press press one of those buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, now I have to do it just because you said that.
1: Dwan, 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 Dwan.
2: Say goodnight, Liam.
0: Good night. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking
1: can.